Hi, everybody, and praise the Lord. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the Keeping It Real with Dr. Lil. This is a segment that we're having and in the Keeping It Real with Dr. Lil, which is a podcast slash talk show, an innovative one to help empower you, the community, to be the best you can be in this place called life. So I had been doing a series of a legal story and our personal stories or my story. And most of you know that by now that I wrote a book called My Story, dealing with the tragedy of my parents, how I lost my parents to a murder-suicide. Yep, it happened. My father took my mother's life and then took his own. I was 11 years old when that took place. As a result of that, about 20 or something years after that, I wrote the book. You got to go back and look at the first video on the first chapter. I give them more details on how the book thing came about. But the book is here. Here it is. It's called My Story, Tragedy Turned Into Opportunity. The first time I wrote it was um, or was out in the public, I want to say it was in 2020, um, because I, it was 20 years Christmas, this past Christmas in 21, 2021, when the debut of the book slash me being out on the talk shows was 20 years in the making. So I started out on the national platform with Jenny Jones Show. How about that? I was on the Jenny Jones Show talking to youth and young adults, which was pretty much my ministry uh, in regard to telling them, you know, trying to empower them that you can have fun, you can enjoy life, but you got talent, you got purpose, and you have some direction you can go. Even though you might not know right now, if you keep living and doing the best you can, you will run into it. You'll bump into it. In fact, it's going to bump into you. So as a result of all those things, I wrote the book, as you know, and the book deals with this tragedy and this journey and how God allowed us to go through this, but let us come out on the other side so that we could talk to you even today and also 20 years ago. The first chapter we did already, and that was entitled Experiencing Shock in Childhood. The tragedy basically was, of course, our shock in our childhood. The second chapter is dealing with our fairy tale childhood because we had what some people considered a fairy tale childhood and perhaps God allowed us to have that because he knew it wasn't going to last long but my dad was in the military he was a marine he had been a marine a merchant marine where they go off and see with the the navy so instead of him moving my mother and us around because he had eight children with my mother he stationed her so to speak in Philadelphia and he went and did what he had to do and work. Now she would go see him on the ports when he would come to shore, blah, blah, blah. Nonetheless, they were very much in love, but unfortunately my father didn't recover quite naturally or normally from his mother's death. And then when he met my mother, she was the best thing since sliced bread and he was right. Unfortunately, he clung to her in an unhealthy way. So that's never good. And then he, I hate to tell everybody this, but you know, when he did the tragedy, if he could have, he would have took all of us with him. Yeah, that's the kind of father he was. It was just too many of us. It was eight of us in the house at the time. And typically speaking, when they, a tragedy like this happens, the man usually takes everybody. So he couldn't do that because it was too many of us. Nonetheless, it was God's destined for us to still be here. And one of the chapters talks about how two had to die so that eight could live. The two was my parents and the eight was us, the children. So the second chapter deals with the fairy tale childhood, 
Uh, my father was able to provide for us and do uh, good even in having eight children. He came from a very powerful family down south. This family, the Coley's, if you look us up, you'll see us. They did a documentary on the Coley's at uh, Duke University. Very, very powerful, strong economical family that owned plazas, that owned strips of stores, that did very well economically. Unfortunately, some of them in the family, and my father wasn't totally in this category, but he had some influence of it, was uh, obsessed with money. Money was everything. Money, money, money. That's why some of them, that's all they talked about all day long. And they had plenty of it. But we know that money cannot rule everything. It's just a tool. And you have to see it as a tool because that's what it is. Nonetheless, this fairy tale childhood spared into my adulthood. But in the childhood, let me just quickly clarify that God, my father was able to provide for us. We had a beautiful home. We had a car. We went on trips. We had food. Um, and I talk about in the fairy tale childhood, I described the house because it was a beautiful house. It's a beautiful house and the way my mother decorated it. And also how my father made our house our haven. We had swimming pool. We had pool table. We had ping pong. We had our own bathroom downstairs in our little haven. We had a girl side where we could play with our dolls. We had a good childhood. And this is why I call the chapter fairy, fairy tale childhood. And the fairy tale childhood, as we already know, ended in a tragedy. So nonetheless, we see how these types of things are nice to have, and they do help bring about memories. They do bring about understanding what things are and what things are not. But most importantly, uh, when they're gone or if they are obtained in a way that that's all you think about and that's all you want, that's a problem. Now, I'm not saying it at all that my father did that. He wanted to provide for his children because most men do. So I don't believe that he had that problem. I just say that part of his lineage and his, his, his lineage, there were some persons in his line, not far from it, second and third generation, who were very obsessed with money and it could have influenced him in feeling inadequate or not being able to do everything he wanted to do for my mother. But he didn't have a problem at all. Um, actually, he did very well. The key was, and we'll find out later, that my mother, as I said, my dad was in the military. My mother was a homemaker, but she was also an educated woman who worked as a teacher part-time. She worked also at the school board when she could, and she was in politics. Yeah, my mother, went in the city of Philadelphia, was one of the most powerful women there were. She was going to run for state representative, which is the reason why we believe my father took her life because he thought he was not going to be able to live up to that next level measure, whatever that might have been. And he didn't want anybody to take my mother, obviously. And, you know, thinking overthinking and just, just letting the enemy take control of your thoughts. Nonetheless, um, she was very powerful. She was beautiful. She was, she was, I would say charismatic, but she was very uh, articulate in her speech. She just was a woman who loved people and she loved letting people know that they had options and they had a life that's outside of what they could see. And although we were fortunate, my mother took us to neighborhoods that were not so fortunate. One, so we could see what it was like. And also she had us cleaning people's alleys. She had us cleaning the streets. 
And at some point we thought something was wrong with her. We said, well, why would she take us from over where we were to take us to where we, it, to, to these places, and we're children, to clean somebody else's street and alleys? Well, the reason why she's trying to show the people what it would be like to live in a clean environment. And she was also trying to show the people love that you don't have to live like this. And we love you. We don't know you. We love you. And we're trying to help you help yourself. My mother was big on telling people how to help themselves, helping people to help themselves. She said every tub should have sit on his own bottom or every tub does sit on his own bottom. That would be you and I having our own individual tub. And her old, whole thing with that was you teach people how to fish so they can fish themselves. Nonetheless, not to belabor you too long, um, the moral to the story is I came from a good family. The moral to the story is I have nothing to be ashamed of or nothing to be upset about. Although I have been deeply hurt by the loss of both my parents, love them both immensely, I understand that sometimes things happen because that's just part of life to some degree. And then also we need to understand, we need to, uh, we need to look at our lineage and our family and see what happened, see how we can pray and ask God to not let that happen again, to cancel out any generational things that the enemy would try to do, not just with <clears throat> people always do that with health, but it's also with other aspects with money. Like I said, if there's a problem with money, there's a problem with um, obtaining money. When you get money, it takes over your life and it controls you and you don't control it because it's just a, a commodity for you to control. Nonetheless, uh, I wanted to come on for the second chapter to give you my input on what it was about dealing with the fairy tale childhood that God gave us that was a blessing. But unfortunately, my father thought he was going to lose my mom through her running for state representative. And we knew she would have won because everybody she endorsed won. She had Milton Shat, She had John Street. She did Rizzo on his first term. She was very close to William Green. So she did a lot of great, great, wonderful things in the city of Philadelphia. And I was so proud of my mother. She did the march with uh, Reverend Sullivan of the Tasty Cake. She did a lot of things to try to empower people in the community. So I just wanted to take the time out for the second chapter, just to let you see, hear, and understand that sometimes a fairy tale childhood can, it can end in a tragedy. And God used the tragedy as an opportunity for me to share and not be in despair. Me and sharing right now, not being despair, despair with my head hung down. And as I live this place called life each and every day, I learn more things about myself, the community and so forth and so on. But I learned so many things that my mother taught me that I could never get from anybody else. One of the main things she did, taught us, and I'm gonna close with this, is about the rule of law. And she was into politics. She was a good, she was a good politician and she believed in the system. She sure did. She believed that the system worked. And she said, no matter what nobody else is doing, she said, you, 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 you. And she pointed to us. She says, you follow the law. She said, because it's designed to work. She said, you don't need to worry about what everybody else is doing. If somebody's trying to bend it, break it, whatever, you, you follow it because it's designed to work. And I thank God for those words because I'm using them today to help shape some things in my own personal life and my, I would say my corporate or community life so that we can make a better place 
for all of us. So I thank God for all of you. Be encouraged that whatever your journey is, you're going to get there. You can have what you say, whether it's negative or positive. I encourage you to be positive about your talk. Be positive about your thinking. And if you find yourself in that situation, you're a little bit messed up, take some time out to take care of you. Get into you. And I always tell people, like I've been told, it's a full-time job minding your own business. So mind your own business in terms of what you need to do for you to make yourself a better you so that when you present yourself to someone else, it is presentable to the best of your ability. Anybody looking for perfection, you know you can strive for it. What we're looking for for you to be doing your best to get where you need to be. I want to thank God for all of you as we are moving into trying to move into the next place in this lintage called life or this place called life. We want you to be encouraged. We want you to be empowered. We want you to take advantage of what's around you. Tune into yourself. Take time to meditate and to pray and to, to reminisce on how far you've come and where you are. And be thankful and be blessed. Be blessed. I was going to say, be merciful. God will be merciful. That's what I want to say. God will be merciful for those who do what they need to do what, or what they have in front of them. So he is a merciful, wonderful God for sure. So I just thank God for all of you. And I thank God for you tuning in even now to keeping it real with Dr. Lil. As I continue to come forth to talk about people's personal stories, uh, which I call the my story, and then I have the legal story. I've already did a segment on the legal story. I wanted to come back and give you something on my book in regard to my story. My story is my story and nobody can tell it like I can tell it. So be encouraged, my brothers and sisters. Stay tuned for our next segment. I'm going to try to get a real schedule around. Sometimes you just start doing stuff and you just do it because it needs to be done. And then it kind of unfolds to where it's going to be. So I thank God for the opportunity to come be encouraged, drink your water, say your prayers, try to do some exercise every day, 15, 30 minutes, something, something's better than nothing. Be mindful of what you put in your mouth because you know certain foods is what it is. Ask God for wisdom. Don't get weighed you are. Just do it. Because good habits is good habits. We just thank God for all of you. Be blessed as we look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to Keep It Real with Dr. Lil. This is Dr. Lillian Coley saying thank you so much for watching. I'll see you next time, everybody. God bless.